a draft where the Cowboys took Micah Parsons, but that's besides the point. And a lot of other thugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It only took three days and a couple of calc review sessions, but William Anyone and I are here to recap what happened in the 2021 draft, also known as the draft where the Cowboys took Micah Parsons, but that's besides the point. And a lot of other thugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm coming off the top rope early. William, how are you doing? I'm well. Um, it's just crazy that like these hours of draft studying preparation, it's all come to an end just with one weekend. Um, if you know me, you know I'm a huge NFL draft fan, and I spend a lot of time throughout the year listening to podcasts, reading about the draft. And so, yeah, it's just kind of wild that it all came to a close this weekend. But um, it was it was a fun draft, and I enjoyed watching it all and watching all the action unfold. That it was. I was. This was my first time watching on NFL Network, actually. Normally, I watch an ESPN, but... I've always been an ESPN guy, but I always wonder, like, like what's happening on NFL Network? Like, should I switch over there? Like, I, I don't know. I can never, like, decide uh, definitively, like, which network to go with. So, I've always just kind of gone with ESPN, the safe route. Yeah, I've just gotten fed up with Mo Kuyper, so... I listened to Daniel Jeremiah for a little bit. Just so iconic, like that voice. Like, I mean, you just yeah. Like whenever I hear Mel Kiper's voice, immediately you think NFL draft. Like, it's just they go together, you know. Mm, definitely. All right, let's let's get into the podcast before we start talking about Mel Kiper for twenty minutes. Um, William, what were your initial reactions to maybe the first round or, or the draft in general? So. Um, one through five, obviously it was kind of chalky. Um, number three, a lot of people weren't sure if Fortnite was going to go Trey Lance or Mac Jones. They end up going with Trey Lance chasing that upside, um, which I definitely honestly expected them to do because at the end of the day, I don't see how you can look at Mac Jones and Trey Lance physical profiles and go with Mac Jones. So there's that. Then at six, uh, to the Miami Dolphins, uh, Jalen Watt, a little bit of a surprise, maybe just a tiny bit, uh, going ahead of his teammate, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman. But SBC um, athlete Jalen Waddle, by the way. Yeah, yes. Played, probably played in Hunt Stadium, right? Um, Yeah, played, swept the floor, just absolutely manhandled at Hunt Stadium, probably, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, teams cover speed, though, so... But where it get where I think where it got really interesting is number eight when the Panthers take JC Horn, South Carolina cornerback, um, the press coverage specialist. Uh not really anyone saw that coming. It's kind of a curveball. So of course that had major implications for us in Dallas as Dallas Cowboys fans, because everybody expected the Cowboys to take a cornerback in the first round. Well, one of the top two corners is gone at number eight. And so I think myself included, uh, all, all the Cowboys fans were maybe a little bit nervous, but I think we we were fine knowing that Patrick Sertan would, you know, still probably most likely be there for us at 10 as there was only one team before us, the Denver Broncos. And of course the Denver Broncos take Patrick Sertan 
and my heart drops every other Cowboys fan, uh, their, their heart drops too, I'm sure. And the Cowboys kind of aren't a pickle, honestly, the number 10 overall pick and decided to trade back of course, and pick up Micah Parsons at the 12th overall pick little backstory on Micah Parsons. Uh, two years ago when he was playing with Penn state, uh, against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl in AT&T Stadium. I was watching the game, and I see this guy, this linebacker for Penn State, and I'm like, God, who is this guy? I mean, he's flying around the field, making plays, forcing fumbles, um, should have had an interception, would have been pick six. And I was like, I mean, man, this guy's a top five NFL draft pick um, in, in a future year. And so I, I've loved him as a player for quite a while. Of course, there are some – kind of reasons to be um, a little bit down on this pick in terms of like the fact that linebacker, you know, might not be the most valuable position in the NFL today. Um, and then also to go along with his off the field issues, uh, which seem to be, uh, I don't know, there seem to be a lot of those and they're a little concerning, but on the field, I think you're getting a game changing player at the linebacker position. And I overall didn't mind the pick, especially picking up the third round pick um, with the trade back. So I don't know how you exactly felt, Sid, but overall I felt pretty good, especially, like I said, uh, with that third round pick we got in return as well. So I, I agree with you on the Michael Parsons analysis. I think my one issue is with the trade back though. And it's not really like it, it it's twofold. One is, who we traded back with. And the second one is, is the hall in my opinion, because you, when you enter the draft with a need at corner, I feel like the last thing you want to do is supply your division rival with a wide receiver. <laughs> and, and that's what the Cowboys ended up doing by trading with the Eagles and the Eagles then taking Devonte Smith. Um, I understand like there was, there was some buzz that he was either going to go to the Eagles or the giants. So you might as well just get something for it. But uh, I, I had an issue with that. And then in terms of the hall, um, honestly, the thing is that there wasn't much of a hall, which was concerning to me. I mean, I look at the two tradebacks that happened in, in the first round, one was involving the Cowboys and the Eagles, where the Eagles just tack on a third round pick to move up two spots. And the other one was the Bears moving from 20 to 11, which I understand is a bigger leap. But the Giants end up getting a in net. They end up trading back to receive a fifth round pick this year, a first round pick next year, and a fourth round pick next year, which is considerably more. I understand that it's for a quarterback and the Bears take Justin Fields, which we'll touch on a little later. But... Um, I was not impressed by the Cowboys hole at that moment. And I was even less impressed by it when I saw what the bears gave up to go to 11. And neither was I, I honestly was expecting a little bit more considering usually, I mean, moving up two picks in the top 12 of the NFL draft, you're usually going to have to give up more than that for sure. Um, so I definitely expected us to get a little more than a third round pick for us to get a little more than a third round pick. So that was a little um, disappointing. And then especially considering the player we used that third round pick on, uh, Chauncey Golson from Iowa, which I thought was definitely a reach. Um, that kind of just made it even more depressing to be a Cowboys fan. 
that is, I mean, I just would not have gone there in at pick 84 in the third round. So that was frustrating, but we definitely need to touch on Justin Fields. You're a high state guy at uh, number 11 to the Chicago bears in the trade up, as you mentioned with the New York giants, do you think the bears are the right or is the right situation for Justin Fields? And do you think he can flourish in that system? Do you think he can save Matt Nagy's job even? Um, honestly, was of all the situations I would have liked Justin Fields to end up with, the Bears was definitely not like at the top of the list. Oh, yeah. That being said, um, I'd like to think that Matt Nagy did more than just like watch Andy Reid call plays in Kansas City. I'd like to think he actually picked up something, and I'd like to see that offense actually be put in motion. Um, so in that sense, I am optimistic for Justin Fields. I've already told my friends from Chicago that part of my allegiances now are with the Bears because I want Justin Fields to do really well. Um, watching him slip after throwing six touchdowns against Clemson was kind of confusing. Um, and I know we're agreed on that annual, but, um, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, the Bears have never had a good quarterback. Hopefully Justin Fields can solve that. Yeah, for sure. And like I was saying earlier to you, this week, I think, like, I mean, in three out of five drafts, Justin Fields is going number one, honestly. I mean, I just think it's insane that he fell number 11 when you uh, consider his physical profile, his tools, his accuracy. I mean, literally the most accurate quarterback in college football. I don't understand why people think that he's some inaccurate quarterback, um, which he kind of gets a bad rep for um, and which couldn't be any farther from the truth. I think there's a lot of misconceptions uh, surrounding his game of, yes, the processing speed isn't great, but I mean, I think that playing in a, in a, in a pro system could probably benefit him a little bit. Um, Obviously with NFL coaching, he, he, I think he can obviously improve that and, that definitely shouldn't like be the reason he falls to number 11 when he's like a top two, top three talent in this draft. So I definitely think the bears made a good play in trading up there. Yeah. I mean, I think he's also a victim of, of a number of stereotypes and we don't have to get really into this, but race possibly. Yeah. I mean, the kind of the knocks against his leadership when he's the one who brings big 10 football back this year, the, the processing speed when Ryan Day is running an offense where Olave has thrown like 35 yards before he even breaks. Um, yeah. Like it, it's a, it's a number of things. And even the, the Ohio state quarterback thing, which I understand, I mean, the last Ohio state quarterback we drafted in the first round was Dwayne Haskins and that didn't exactly turn out well, but um, you know, it is what it is. I look forward to him carrying that chip on his shoulder in Chicago. So uh, anyway, I wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about, about Texas football and what happened over there? Yes. So, of course, you don't have a first-round pick for the Texas Longhorns. Most people expected at least Sam Cosby to go in the first round uh, because for the tackle position, he is a bit of a freak of nature, very athletic, tested extremely well at his pro day. Um, he definitely needs to improve his pass-blocking sets, but – uh, when you have those traits at the tackle position, that's a damn good starting point. And so I was definitely pretty surprised when he fell out of the first round, but he ultimately ends up going in the second round to the Washington football team. And 
Um, I think that's that's a good fit for him. He could see playing time pretty early on. And then also Joseph Asai, he early on in the process, I think he had a chance to go in the first round, but as more analysts kind of dissected his tape, they really didn't like the Oklahoma State game this past year in which he faced Tevin Jenkins, who also went, he went to the Bears uh, to protect Justin Fields actually in the uh, second round. And so, yeah, Tevin Jenkins kind of just manhandled Joseph Osai. And so Osai fell to the third round, going to the Cincinnati Bengals at pick 69. And so I think he obviously is a bit of a raw pass rusher, but he had tested extremely well and has like a ridiculous, uh, I think, vertical, like maybe 41-inch vertical for a, a, an edge, which is – Pretty insane. And then Sam Ellinger goes in the fifth round, I believe, to the Indianapolis Colts. The interesting thing uh, with Sam Ellinger is like, so I think that personally, if I were an NFL GM, I would have my backup quarterback as this guy who could come in uh, and and work under like a really streamlined uh, system with like really simple passing concepts, but you you would have this guy who's a dual threat quarterback who can run and uh, pick up like third downs with his legs and that type of thing. It's like if I was an NFL GM, I would not go for you know this old like an old backup quarterback like the Chiefs backup quarterback this past year uh, and like Chad Henney. So I would not go with that that sort of mold for the backup quarterback slot, I would go with more of like a guy like Sam Ellinger who is young and can use his legs and go with like a really uh, simplified passing game. Cause I think you have a better chance to win games doing something like that, as opposed to trying to run like a normal uh, offensive passing game with some guy who's like never been anything in the NFL, been like a career backup and, isn't going to provide anything with his legs. So I think it's definitely interesting. Uh, obviously in Indianapolis, they have Carson Wentz and Jacob Eason. So Ellinger will be battling for that quarterback two position with Jacob Eason. I'm sure this. So overall, I mean, I guess you might say that the Texas, the draft from a Texas Longhorns perspective was a little bit disappointing, Considering, I don't think Texas has had a first-round pick since Malcolm Brown way back, maybe in like 2014. Just quite the drought, um, especially when you're constantly bringing in top five, top ten recruiting classes. Um, I, it's definitely unacceptable. It doesn't make sense. The development is just not there with that program. And so obviously that's why they fire Tom Herman and bring on, bring on Steve Sarkeesian. So. I guess we'll see if something changes. Texas football, unacceptable for super fan William Manuel. Unacceptable. Yes. Um, also, let's be honest, Ellinger's going to play at some point this season. I mean, Wentz and Eason both have an injury history, so we'll oh, yeah. see soon enough. Carson Wentz is literally the worst quarterback in the league last year. <laughs> would not be surprised if he throws three, four picks in the first half of the game. They call on Ellinger to come out and save the day. All right. Um, 
Let's get to a couple of final things. We know that we're releasing this a couple of weeks after the draft, so you probably already heard a lot of analysis, but uh, William, what was your biggest steal of the draft? Biggest steal, I think I'm going to stick to the first round just because obviously that's the most important round. And that's where um, like teams are are made or broken. Like you have to draft well in the first three rounds really to experience success as a franchise, you know, like the day three picks don't matter as much. So sticking in the first round, I think my biggest deal would be Greg Newsom, the Northwestern cornerback going at pick number 26 to the Cleveland Browns. So maybe on the surface, it might not look like the biggest deal from like, the consensus draft board, like, yeah, the consensus draft board amongst analysts in the media compared to where he actually went. But I love this guy. Um, he has everything you'd want in the out of an outside cornerback. Uh, he's tall, he's long, athletic, really good ball school ball skills. And the knock on him is just that he produced for only one year at Northwestern in a very limited sample size, of course, owing to the Big Ten's uh, shortened season. And he also not only like didn't really uh, have a huge opportunity or a lot of a lot of games to show what he could do, but the competition too, he did not go up against many like NFL caliber receivers. And so obviously that's going to be a big concern when you're not going up against guys who are going to be in the NFL and you're about to be in the NFL going up against NFL receivers every single day. But um, I think that he in the NFL can really uh, flourish in that Browns defensive system, especially when you're surrounded by all these uh, really good defensive players, Miles Garrett, uh, John John or John Johnson, the Rams safety that the Browns signed this offseason. Uh, and then you got who else? Uh, who else got on the Browns defense? I mean, are we counting Olivia Vernon? Uh, you, you can't count him. Oh, you have uh, you have um, was it Jeremiah Wuskerma to the draft? That's what I was gonna say. Notre Dame linebacker. Uh, at the other cornerback position, you have Denzel Ward who's a top four pick a few years back. It's a bottom line is you have a lot of talent on that defense. It's a, I think Greg Newsom uh, can excel there. I would have even liked him as a Cowboys target at 12, honestly. Like maybe if you were going to take him, you would have wanted to trade back a little farther from, from 10 to 12. Maybe you had to go from like 10 to 20 to feel really good about it. But I think um, that that definitely be my pick. I really like Greg Newsom. What about yours, Sid? Yeah, I mean, they should have called up the Bears to trade back. Um, yeah, you mentioned Jeremiah Usakaramoa. Um, he was my steal of the draft. So I guess we're 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 a Browns heavy podcast right now. Um, just I think he should have gone way high in the first round. And I think a lot of the the concern was with like the Isaiah Simmons pick a few years ago. Um, just the the idea of like a linebacker slash safety slash where do they play and maybe even a dribble peppers kind of mold um i just think there was concern with that and for that reason he kind of slipped way past where i think he should have gone and i think falling to the browns who who ironically had dribble peppers a few years ago is is maybe an ideal landing spot for him and and they'll know how to use him for sure 
Uh, really quick, I definitely wanted to highlight some picks that we thought, you know, were the opposite of steals were massive reaches in the first round. Um, I would definitely highlight Travis Etienne at 25 the Jaguars, not really because like he's not like a whatever first round caliber running back, although I don't believe that first round caliber running backs exist, but more because the team he drafted in the Jackson Jaguars literally had an undrafted free agent running back last year in James Robinson come in as a rookie and be one of the most productive backs in the entire NFL. So as I was uh, saying to you, Sid, right after the draft, like I would have expected the Jaguars to be the last team to take the running back in the first round after seeing, you know, an undrafted free agent come in and do that from day one. It's disappointing. Um, if, if that isn't enough to teach you to not take a running back in the first round, I don't know what it is. And also Eric Stokes going at 29 in the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think Asante Samuel, the cornerback from Florida State, would have been a much better pick here. Uh, he's just a little undersized, so that's a knock on him. But Eric Stokes ran in the four twos at his pro day, but just extremely stiff and um, just is raw. And so I think I think that was definitely a pretty big reach. Yeah, trouble in trouble in the kind of paradise that is Green Bay, I guess. Um, I would yeah. say my you you stole the ETN thing from me. I was talking to one of my friends in Jacksonville who I said he had a bad hair day a couple of days ago. I said his hair was worse than the ETN pick. Um, <laughs> I I think the one of the funnier things that happened in this draft was the Alex Leatherwood pick to Oakland. Um, Leatherwood was the guy who last year um, before he pulled the name out of the draft was somebody who was going to go in the first round um, pretty comfortably. I think he was mocked around the 13 area to Miami. Um, but he came back for a year and, and some blemishes to say the least kind of showed up in terms of his game tape. And uh, it seems like Oakland just does not care about that. They don't care about where people are supposed to be going. They just take people. And um, the irony of them taking a, a second round projection in the first round and then taking Trevon Merig, uh, first round projection in the second round, uh, definitely did not fly past me. But the Leatherwood pick definitely did uh raise some eyebrows for sure really quick i think zavin collins is also really interesting at number 16 the arizona cardinals um just because he's kind of similar in like i don't know he's just a really weird linebacker kind of similar to isaiah simmons taking two uh linebackers in back-to-back years and like very specific skill sets is strange and then also um i think that uh, uh, in terms of a guy I really like going at 31 was, uh, ball, uh, was Penn state edged, uh, Jason Owe to the Baltimore Ravens because the Baltimore Ravens have a history of developing edge talent, probably the best team in the NFL at developing edge talent. And so this guy's a freak of nature, uh, literally tested in like the 19, 99th percentile in almost every athletic testing category, um, ran like a four, three 40 and he's a, a defensive end so he's an athletic specimen and i think if there's one team that can get the most out of him it could be baltimore absolutely so those are our thoughts on the first round and beyond in the nfl draft we hope you guys enjoyed um keep an eye out on the other podcasts that are dropping today in this end zone flurry of podcasts we have a bunch of 
bombs and awesome little tidbits for you guys to listen to. So keep an eye out for that. But other than that, thanks for listening, guys.